This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Contagna alongside my co-host and the Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports, Andrew Ivins. And Drew, we got a great show today, a lot to cover. We're getting into 2024 a little bit. We're going to have some position battle talk in 2023 and then we're going to get you geared up for a big weekend down there in south florida but drew you know we're still trying to get to know our audience and vice versa a little bit and i want to pull the curtain back i want to know for me because i'm still trying to get to know you a little bit is it coffee in the morning or is it is it straight celsius right off the bat it is it is black coffee. Uh, <laughs> I, I I try to go for a run this morning. I just I I just to snooze too many times. But coffee in the morning. What about what about you, Cooper? I, I I've seen you take down a few cups of Joe uh, in the day on on the camp circuit uh, on the All American Bowl circuit. What about you? <laughs> I'm on the Central Time Zone. Andrew's in the Eastern Time Zone, so I'm on my second cup of mud right now. But you know, not typically. I'm usually you know one cup of coffee type of guy how often do you work out i want to know is it is it six out of seven days a week is yeah it- it's we're looking at six or seven I'm, I'm really into the running right now kind of kind of trying to lean up before that wedding you know so we got- so pretty <laughs> low-key right yeah you, yeah just trying to yeah i didn't want to say anything but you're looking a little uh you're looking a little hefty in san antonio so <laughs> i think you need to to lose some weight there so we're both on the wedding grind right now you in march me in may exciting times for the Ivans and Patagonist family. But Drew, let's let's get into it. 2024 talk. And this is a guy that you had circled that you wanted to talk about coming into Thursday's show. That is Jaden Davis, the number 15 player in the class of 2024, the number two quarterback, only behind Dylan Rayola, who used to be committed to Ohio State. Now he's back on the market. And that's important for a couple of different reasons. But this seems to be the guy that a lot of programs are still I don't want to say figuring out, but they're waiting on, right? It seems like the first domino that needs to drop for the rest of the quarterbacks to kind of figure out, all right, what's my path forward? And right now, Jaden Davis, the quarterback out of Providence Day High School in Charlotte, had a huge year last year, led his team to a 12-1 and record, also a state championship appearance as a junior, Gatorade player of the year as well. But, Drew, there are a lot of teams coming after him right now. The crystal ball reads 100% Michigan. He's visited there multiple times. But Clemson with new <laughs> offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. You also have Brian Hartline and Ryan Day as they look for a new signal caller post Dylan Rayola. Georgia, Penn State, Tennessee, a handful of others seem to be in on Jaden Davis. So he, he's going to visit North Carolina this weekend. But this is kind of, I don't want to say a bargaining chip, but 
this is kind of the one that we're waiting on in, in terms of what's going to happen with the rest of these arms in 2024. Well, I know we're, what, two weeks away from signing day. Everyone's focus is on kind of the class of 2023 or, or the transfer portal, um, but we are turning the page to 2024. It, it's here, and uh, Jaden Davis is, is definitely a name to know, and he's a kid who I saw in the freshman All-American Bowl. What would that have been two years ago? He was my alpha dog that night, uh, punched his ticket to the All-American Bowl. And then if I'm going to be honest, he did not have a great sophomore season. And I was kind of concerned. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Uh, and, and then he comes in, rebounds in a big way. You, you toss out the Gatorade Player of the Year in North Carolina. He was also the Max Preps Player of the Year. Um, completed 72% of his passes. I, I watched a full one of his games last night. And you can definitely still see uh, some some magic from Jaden Davis. But on the recruiting front, Steve Wiltfong, our director of recruiting, is the one that brought this up and and all the schools that are coming by to see Jaden Davis. Now, coaches can get out on the road um, the past few weeks. They can do it for, I think, another week before things go dead. And, yes, some of the focus is on 2023, but a, a lot of these head coaches and coordinators are, are going to see these quote-unquote workouts or, or see these kids move around. And Jaden Davis is a guy where – I think it was Garrett Riley from from Clemson, the new OC there. He 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 was at the school on on Wednesday. Brian Hartline, Ryan Day, both going to come Friday. Uh, you talked about Michigan. That's the school that Jaden Davis has, I think, visited more than anywhere else. And, and they lead on the crystal ball. And now we know Jim Harbaugh. He's not going to go off to the NFL. UNC is an interesting one to me. We know what they've done with Drake May under Mac Brown. They also got a new OC, Chip Lindsey, in there. Uh, Penn State. What are they going to do at quarterback? Remember, um, they had Marcus Stokes committed post Drew Aller, uh, who was a, a, a five star. It's always hard to kind of take a five star after a five star at quarterback. Then you have Tennessee, who has Nico Iamalieva. What are they going to do at quarterback? So I don't want to say he's like the kingpin in this whole thing, but whatever he does is kind of kind of dictate how some of these other boards go, um, and, and it'll be interesting. Could, just your, your raw thoughts from a scouting perspective uh, on Jaden. I mean. You know, what, what What do you think of him? Uh, we'll see how these quarterback rankings shuffle out. Uh, but to me, I think he's a guy that could probably win on Saturdays. Well, I think you alluded to it. He had a really, really productive junior year in, in coming off a sophomore year where the talent was very clear to see, but the production really didn't match that. I mean, he had a 54% completion rate as a sophomore. A year later, he flips the script. He's up to 72%. He's got a 43 to six touchdown to interception ratio. And then obviously you see the win loss record on the field. So he was about as clean as you would hope for on the field as a junior he had over 3,400 passing yards. And this is a guy from the pocket. He's somewhat undersized. He's sub six foot one. So in terms of the accuracy, in terms of the feel of the game, that's an area of his game where he really has to excel. And he made a big jump as a junior. So there's a lot to like there, uh, Drew. I think when you talk about Jaden Davis, some of the other names around, like you, you talk about Clemson, you talk about Georgia. I think this is a really pivotal point for Jaden Davis. And, I, and I'll say this uh, and preface it this way. When, when you talk about teams like Georgia, back-to-back -back national champions, and then Clemson, uh, who obviously has had the pick of the litter the last couple of years with Kate Klubnick and Christopher Vizina, these schools can be a little bit more selective in the quarterback process. And I think for them, you know, you mentioned Garrett Riley going to see Jaden Davis throw. 
I would have to guess this is one of the first exposures Garrett Riley's had to Jaden Davis. Clemson and Georgia are going to have their pick of the litter when it comes to quarterback options. So I, I do think this is uh, somewhat of, a, of an important uh, piece in Jaden Davis's timeline as Garrett Riley, uh, Todd Munkin, and a handful of others who are already somewhat down the line with Jaden Davis. Uh, go to see him and, and get the live evaluation and then say, hey, how does he stack up against a guy like Walker White or a Jake Merklinger, uh, two guys that are really uh, uh, blossoming with, with upside and potential, and, and we could see making a move up the board in the future. But as of right now, I, Drew, I think Jaden Davis not only made of the right tools physically, but between the ears as well. Got to see him in Atlanta at the Elite 11 Regionals a year ago. Really liked him there. So the arrow is pointing up. I think that's what you want to see in a guy like that, and especially from a top 32 signal caller. So before we wrap up, Drew, any final thoughts on Jaden Davis? Well, Coop, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, you've been on the other side uh, working in the recruiting departments, Oregon, Washington. We've been through it before. Uh, you know, you look at this recruitment and I'm sure everyone in those respective buildings is, is telling the head coach or, or telling the boss, hey, we could probably get this guy. Hey, we could get this guy. And, you know, we, we just named it. How many schools was that off the top of our, our you know, North Carolina, Clemson, Michigan, Penn State, Tennessee? I mean, we're up to six schools right now. And you would think Jaden's probably going to make a decision, I would assume, by the start of the summer months. I mean, when, when you're in the recruiting department, trying to juggle all this stuff at, at what point do you try to tell the guys that are, are running the show in terms of the decision makers hey maybe we should pivot to the next guy like how do those conversations play out can you, can you take us into those because I think sometimes some of these coaches have su such egos that they don't want to move on and they don't they don't want to go turn to the next guy and they're going to keep chasing that guy when in reality hey maybe maybe the smart move is to is to pivot to, to plan b or or but, you know, the next guy on the board. That's a really good point. And, and I think there has to be a certain level of trust within the building guys that you're going to lean on, whether that's with the head coach or whether that's with the coordinator on the offense or defensive side of the ball. But you have to trust your coordinators and your position coaches when it comes to intuition. They need to have a pulse on the recruitment. That's why relationships are so important, not only with the prospect prospect himself, but also with the decision makers in the in the process, whether that's the high school coach, whether that's uh, someone who is close to the prospect, whether it's seven on seven or personal trainer or uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but those type of connections are really important. Uh, and there has to be a certain level of, of respect in the process, hopefully mutual respect, which is not always a given there. So I think in a guy like Jaden Davis, I think a lot of those conversations are probably happening behind the scenes. Uh, where where programs like Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, these visits in terms of during the contact period in the winter contact period, they're just trying to get a pulse for where they stand because coming up in, in, in the spring evaluation period, and especially when you're going to have prospects to campus, that's really when you want to have your board set and you want to know who's going to be a priority for you as you shift from spring into summer. You would like to have that signal caller in the boat. So this is a really important time of the process uh, right after signing day as you're trying to figure out, hey, where do we stand in the process? And that's a really good question, Drew. So well, I got one more question for you, right? What you got? <laughs> At Clemson, let's say they get Jaden Davis 
you stack him on top of Christopher Zina, who's stacked on top of uh, our guy, Kate Klubnik. Just what's the outlook of that room? Is that a room that can get to the college football playoff? Absolutely. I would say so. And, and I think the guy that gives you the most confidence there is a Kate Klubnik. Obviously, he was the most ready to play. I think after seeing Vizina uh, up close and personal throughout the year, not only here in Birmingham, but in San Antonio, I think this is going to be a guy that's going to need to continue to develop. I think he's probably two years away before he's going to see serious snaps. And, and that is uh, exactly what you want if you're Clemson in terms of that trajectory. Hopefully, Kate Klubnik can give you two years at the helm in Clemson. And then Jaden Davis, what does that look like? I think that it maybe muddies his situation, his outlook, his path to the field at a place like Clemson. If I'm Jaden Davis, I think the schools that really appeal to me are a school like Michigan, where there's a clear path to the field, are a school like Georgia, where you know you're going to play with elite level talent at every position, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but a defense that's going to give you uh, uh, plenty of opportunities uh, to, to take the ball in, in advance down the field. So uh, for Jane Davis, I think he can be a little bit more selective, especially with where he is in the process. He's probably trying to navigate that right now. So uh, a lot on Jaden Davis to start the show. Obviously, this is one of the guys that is really uh, one of, I would say, uh, the biggest domino right now outside of Dylan Rayola, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And Drew, as you know, as we saw last year in 2023, once that first domino fall falls when it when it comes to quarterbacks, things kind of start picking up very, very quickly. So, guys, we're going to talk a little position battles. We're going to get into the Polynesian Bowl a little bit. We'll talk Will Muschamp's son. Also, uh, we'll break down the Battle Miami big weekend for Andrew down there in South Florida. But keep it locked. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm Cooper Patekno alongside Andrew Ivins. We appreciate you guys joining us as always. And Andrew, one of my favorite parts of this show is that we get to pull back the curtain a little bit, especially when it comes to the rankings process. We are looking to put a bow on 2023 but as you get closer to finishing and rounding things out things get a little bit more difficult especially in the top 32 the top 64 we're kind of going through that exercise right now you and i gabriel brooks chris singletary and a handful of others at 24 7 sports but a couple of the topics that came up for us especially in the top 32 and i and i think you know you got my mind going when you sent me the pro football focus top 100 and it made me think about the positional value of the running back position. If you listen to the show yesterday, we talked a little bit about B. John Robinson and how he's one of the most accomplished players in the country. Yet, this is a guy that might not get selected in the top 20 of this upcoming year's NFL draft. So, Drew, that brings me to the point of running backs. And right now we have two running backs slotted inside the top 32 Two five stars, Ruben Owens out of the state of Texas. He's going to play his ball for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. 
And Cedric Baxter, a guy that you're very familiar with out of the state of Florida, he's going to play for Steve Sarkeesian at the University of Texas. So the reason I bring this up is, you know, we have two backs in the top 32, as I alluded to earlier. There's a guy on the outside who had an excellent week in San Antonio. I have long been a proponent of his. He's heading to Alabama. That is Justice Haynes, and he has everything that we want. He's He's got production. He's a multi-sport athlete. His dad played at the University of Georgia, was also a fifth-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2002. All these guys check boxes for us, but you look back at last year in 2022 – we had a uh, we had really struggled to elevate a guy like Nicholas Singleton, even with the year that he had at Penn State as a freshman up the board. I believe he finished as a number 18 or 19 player in the country. And right now we're trying to figure out, OK, where do these running backs fit in in the big picture? And I think for us, as I so eloquently said yesterday, it's not as much as, hey, do we believe these guys are top 32 players? But once you balance that out with positional value on Sundays, where do they fit in? So, Andrew, I guess a two-part kind of question conversation for you. How do you see these running backs in your personal purview? And really, when it's all said and done, what number are you comfortable with slotting in the top 32? Well, can I start with this is not a fun time of the year. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. That's why you get paid the big bucks, man. There's a, there's a lot of, of, I think, of me and you texting back and forth, disagreeing with each other, bad at each other. And then uh, I, I was driving home yesterday and got a call from the good old friend Barton Simmons, um, now the general manager at Vanderbilt. And he's like, hey, are you guys doing your final rankings? And I'm like, yep. I'm like, do you miss it? And he's like, nope. Uh, so that was just a fun little conversation with him. No, let me let me let me say this real quick. That says a lot from somebody <laughs> that used to work on the personnel side that he does not miss it. And he's sitting in office right now dealing with the type of things we talk about all the time. So not a lot of people that envy your position right now. Uh, yeah, um, the running back conversation has been has been great. And if you really want to peel it back and take any everyone into the process, I mean, me, you. And, and, and all the other guys in the team, I mean, we, we are meeting and having phone calls that go on for hours. Like I have to have my fiance bring me coffee during them because I can't I can't walk away from from the computer. And it, it's fun. It's it's like a war room. But the, I thought the running back debate we had Wednesday afternoon was awesome. You, you brought up Cedric Baxter, um, Ruben Owens and then Justice Haynes and. You know, how do you stack them? I think the guy I've had the most exposure to is Cedric Baxter. I've seen him. I mean, I'll never forget the first time I went to his high school. His coach was like, hey, I got this guy, Cedric Baxter. Uh, I think he's probably a, a safety. Uh, then I come back a year later and they're like, no, he's a running back now. And it's it just kind of, you know, he hasn't always been kind of that prototypical running back that came up through the youth leagues and has all this mileage on the tires. Now he has ran for a ton of yards and he's been a workhorse on Friday nights over the past two years, but he's still, I think kind of relatively new to the position, a, a good pass catcher out of the backfield. So I, I've had a ton of exposure to him. I thought an interesting point with Cedric Baxter that one of uh, Chris Singletary brought up, um, we used to work in a few different recruiting departments. You know, what, what does Cedric Baxter look like physically? And I think, if, if you guys saw Cedric Baxter in street clothes, he is not some rocked up individual. There, there's still a ton of growth potential. I said 
doesn't look like a guy to me that has spent much time in a squat rack. Uh, and that's a good thing because because there's room for him to grow. I think Ruben Owens kind of fits in that same category. Ruben Owens is the guy of the bunch that has those track times. And then when you look at Justice Haynes, I mean, Justice Haynes, he's like a he's like a mighty might. You know, he he is lean. He is rocked up. Um, he was on my freaks list. And one of the big reasons why is because he's doing these in, in, insane like NFL level type uh, balance contact balance drills where he's jumping up and down with like plyometrics. So all three of them are good. You know, I've gone back and forth. I said all three could be in our 32. I said all three could be out our 32. And then when you start diving into the, the, the data and the trends from the recent NFL drafts, I mean, Coop, the past the, the past three years, we've only seen three running backs go in, in the first round, and none of them went higher than number 24 overall. That was Najee Harris, a pick after him. Travis Etienne, you know, did the Jags still think they're getting a, a, a ton of value from him? I mean, I guess we'll see after this weekend in, in, in the playoffs. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the other guy that went in the first round, and, and he went number 32 overall to the Chiefs. So what are we saying? I mean, just like with – with the college game, and I pounded the table about this a, a bunch about how it's so easy for guys to come in and, and make an impact. I think it's the same thing in the NFL. You kind of just bring them in. It could be sixth, seventh round pick, and then you play them. So how many guys am I comfortable in? I, I would say one, uh, maybe two, uh, but three would be would be definitely pushing it in terms of, of if, if we continue to use the NFL draft as our compass. I tend to agree. So my, my, my quick breakdown on on these three, I think with Ruben Owens, you get a you get a box checker, a guy that checks every box from an athletic standpoint, from a speed standpoint, verified speed. This is a guy that I believe ran a 10.68 sub 10.7. He's done it multiple times. And then you look at the production and there's zero question marks there with Cedric Baxter is a bigger physical back touching 6'1", 215 pounds plus. And Andrew, when you evaluate him, you know, going back and looking at him this morning and in, in, in seeing and in really kind of focusing on the offseason exposure and why I think that's important. You talked about the frame a little bit. He's 215 pounds. He, he's clocked in at sub 4'6". He had a 4'5'9". That's his fastest recorded 40 time. But he moves exceptionally well. He's really sudden. And, and for me, even before he committed to Texas, the comp there for him, in my eyes, was always Cedric Benson. I thought he was a very smooth, sudden runner, and he's a north-south guy that likes to get upfield in a hurry. So I think Cedric Baxter, in terms of what's ahead of him, he has the most meat on the bone, in, in the words of Chris Singletary. And then Justice Haynes, to me, I left San Antonio saying – I'm not sure there's a better back in the country than Justice Haynes. And, and I truly believe that today, I believe Justice Haynes is the best running back in the country. And three to four years from now, that still might be the case. But we're talking about a guy, 5'9", 200 pounds. We, we alluded to the multi-sport background. We talk about the genes all the time, but he can do everything. He is a three-down running back. We talk about the NFL and, and what they look for, what type of skill set. And you brought up Clyde edwards Lair. I thought – when the Chiefs picked Clyde Edwards E. Lair at 32 a couple years ago, I thought that was a luxury selection. Yeah. You know, they had just won the Super Bowl. They were in a spot where they felt like they could address a need where most teams are in a situation where they have to pick best player available. And I think the Chiefs were able to go a route 
where they were able to take a guy like Clyde Edwards Elair because they already had the pieces of every other aspect of their roster offensively. So, you know, to me, Justice Haynes, I think all three of these guys are top 40 prospects. I completely agree with you that I, I struggle to find a way for us to put two running backs in there. Now it's it's more than likely going to happen where that's going to be the case, right? But in my eyes, it's becoming more and more, uh, I, I guess, evident that you really need to be special to, to be a first round draft choice at the running back position. That's how devalued it is. And I mean, Bijan Robinson has been special since he arrived in Austin. And this is a guy right now whose draft stock is kind of mid to late first round. So that's pretty interesting to see. We've seen that with other running backs in the past. And the other thing, Drew, that I'll, I'll say this on, on running backs as we kind of wrap up the running back conversation it's so much more subjective to me than objective, like meeting with Jim Nagy at the senior bowl in mobile a couple of weeks ago, I went back and I had the question and I talked him through, I said, Hey, Quinshawn Judkins, if you don't know who Quinshawn Judkins is, uh, one of the best, if not the best freshman running back in the country from a production standpoint, he showed it on the field every week and, and was, uh, somebody that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin rode from start to finish. He was in my area, right, right down the road in Montgomery. And this is a guy that we had as an 87, a three-star, and a guy that I thought was – Hey, hey, hey three-stars are players too. Don't forget. Three-stars are player too. But, you know, putting it in context, it's one of those things where you, you go back and you're like you, – you study it, right, which is part of our process. And we don't know where Quinshawn Junkins, to be fair, is going to be drafted. That being said, I, I think it's fair to say that he has exceeded his value already from what we've seen – and I asked Jim Nagy, I said, hey, what what, what do you value at the running back position? He said, vision and burst. And I, you know, looking at those traits, you, you know, outside of a 10 second split, you're not really trying to, to quantify vision and burst. It's hard to do that. Those are more subjective. And, you know, Quinshawn Judkins was elite in that area. I got hung up on a negative that ended up overruling a lot of positives in the player. And I'll say this, I went back and watched these three backs this morning with that frame of mind. And I left the most convicted on Cedric Baxter being a top 32 player with the physical upside and Justice Haynes being the, the most ready to make an impact day one. And I think Ruben Owens is just an elite level athlete. That kind of reminds me more of a guy like Zach Evans if that makes sense. Um, so I think instinct feel at the running back position, we're going to talk about linebackers too. It's so much more important and it's harder to quantify if that makes sense. No, I, I, I'm a big Cedric Baxter fan. I, I have been, um, I would guess, and we'll see how the conversations go over the next week. Um, and I think we should point out our, our final rankings for the class of 2023. They're going to drop on Thursday. What is that? The 26th. So stay tuned for that. We're going to lock in those five stars. I, I would imagine maybe two of these guys finish. Um, you know, the more that we talk this out, uh, you, you said Cedric Baxter, and there's probably some people driving around or, or listening to the podcast of the office. And, and what'd you say? He's a four, six, Oh guy on, on the lasers. Isn't that what you said? Correct. Yeah. Four, four, five, nine. So, so just a hair under. Yeah. Right, right, right. And and I look back at that time. That that time was 
the 10th best time at a camp of 185 guys two years ago. Um, and and he, he ran faster than Brandon and it's that day, uh, a, a ton of other guys. So I, just a good reminder. I feel like, you know, it is my mission to people that when you see a four, four in a kid's Twitter bio, the odds of that actually being a four, four are extremely slim. And we saw that at the all American combine. Um, so he, he, he can move. He, he, he's a good athlete is what I'm saying. And then, and then Ruben Owens on the other side, our guy, Gabe Brooks, always talks about his track time. So it's an interesting problem or, or an interesting debate. And it's going to be a fun kind of case study um, a, a few years from now to see where these guys go and, and which guys hit on. I think if you play NFL Dynasty, I would try to draft all three of these guys in, in your upcoming draft. That is a, a tip from your guy, Andrew Ivins, here. Uh, and I would lean towards Justice Haynes because I think his game is very conducive to the NFL. Uh, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he has the highest floor, right? Like it, you want to label a, a a safe player, yes, you know, like if yes. you want to if you want to put him in that bucket. That's exactly what Justice Haynes is. Um, you know, Brandon Ennis, one of those guys as well. Last point on Cedric Baxter Jr. He's going to an offense under Steve Sarkeesian that really likes to utilize his backs as receivers out of the backfield. And I'll say this about Cedric Baxter Jr. Maybe it didn't show up in the stat sheet, but just going back and watching him work out over the offseason, he catches the ball very naturally. Can I say this on him too? I think he he has a chance to be the best pass blocker of the bunch. He's certainly the most physical in terms of the frame, right? I mean, 6'1", 216. Another point on him, like 4'5", 9", at 215 pounds plus, right? with i'm assuming not a lot of training it's a very good sign so there it is running back talk we'll see how it shakes out we still got uh, another week before the rankings so you know we got to get our we got to get our guy gabriel brooks involved in this as well because he he has a lot invested in the running backs uh that, that's kind of his baby his position room so uh he's going to have a say in this as well but let's flip to the other side andrew and there's three more guys that we really like. And this one became well, a little bit more difficult I, to differentiate. Go ahead. I, I got one more thing on Baxter. All right. I was looking at the wrong, the wrong data sheet. All right. So Cedric Baxter, that four, five, nine, uh, that was at a camp out of, two, out of 272 guys. You know, who was, who was number one that day. So who ran a four, five, Oh flat, Erian Knighton, who just won a medal in the Olympics. And, and Baxter was what a, a few tenths of a second behind him. That's, Pretty crazy to think about. All right, move on, move on. Good note there. Good note. Andrew <laughs> Ivan's special, always pulling something just out of thin air. All right, let's let's get to, to linebackers here. And this really wasn't a conversation until you left Orlando. Right now, our linebacker one, Anthony Hill, who is going to play his football in Austin under Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski, defensive coordinator over there at the University of Texas. And, and Andrew, this is a guy that, I know you showed up late in the week in San Antonio, but I don't even want to say he was a surprise. He was just better than advertised uh, in, in, than what we expected for Anthony Hill. I mean, this is a guy who's got everything that you want. And, you know, we had some verifieds coming in to San Antonio. He measured in at 225. And I thought it would be 225 pounds with not a lot of room to grow. But this looks like a guy that hasn't really even scratched the surface of what he's going to fill out to be. I think he's going to play at 240 pounds. And he's kind of like the ideal modern NFL type of linebacker that's a three-down backer that can bang between the tackles, but also very 
comfortable speed and space guy. And that can also match up in one-on-ones as well with running backs or tight ends. And then there's the enigma, which I think is uh, the right word to describe Raylan Wilson, who's going to go play for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. And this guy just looks like he has the athletic profile of every player that has come before him at the University of Georgia. And if you know anything about Georgia and their ability to develop linebackers, they're the best in the country at doing that. And Raylan Wilson, Drew, I know you're going to to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of him, but, I mean, just a rare athlete in terms of what we've seen from an athletic profile, what we've seen from a speed profile. One of the only players, if not the only one, that touched 23 miles per hour plus on the Catapult GPS. For those of you that don't know that, that is a, a tracking system that tracks play speed uh, and one of the great advances in football uh, in technology. And then the guy that might just blow up the whole deal, <laughs> Sunterine Perkins out of the state of Mississippi, who is just so enjoyable to watch, a three-phase player, out of Raleigh, Mississippi, we didn't really know much. Classic, like, Mississippi mud dog, right? Like, you don't know anything about him. You see him at the Alabama-Mississippi game, and you're like, where in the hell did this guy come from? You know, made out of a lab, 6'3", 200 pounds plus, and he's doing things that other players can't do, right? He, he has a one-of-one skill set, and if there's one guy that you would compare to Harold Perkins of LSU, it would be Sunterine Perkins. And Ole Miss uh, certainly got one of the best playmakers in the country and a guy for us, Drew, that we have continued to elevate up our board. But if you were to tell me, you you know, we just went down the line there, Anthony Hill, Raylan Wilson, Sunterine Perkins, and you were to uh, put their names in a hat, shake it up, any order I would be comfortable with and I could get on board with. I, I I watched Sunterine's state title game earlier this week, and man, <laughs> I mean, it is it is so fun to watch from a scouting perspective. Uh, you, you say he's from Raleigh, Mississippi. I looked it up. It's a, it's a town of 1,500 people. When I was introduced to him at the Under Armour game at check-in, I was like, hey, like, what do you do outside of football? And he told me he rides horses. And he's like, yeah, I ride horses. I'm like, oh, like, like Von Miller? You know, like Von Miller rides horses, and he's like, "Who?" He's like, "What?" He he had no idea. Like he, I don't, I don't know if they have. Like he just didn't know. I don't know if he was messing with me. Um, but his his film is fun. I call him kind of like the hidden gem uh, of the twenty twenty three cycle. And, and in that state title game, it's one of the best stat lines you're ever going to see. Thirty two carries for three hundred thirty seven rushing yards, four touchdowns, converted four two point conversions. Then he had six tackles and an interception on defense. This guy is playing like slot corner um, outside the hashes, but he just covers a, a ton of turf. Um, he's a violent striker, rolls his hips through guys. I think what makes what gets me the most excited about him is there's still plenty of, of growth potential. And Coop, I was texting back and forth with you. We're trying to fire, find a player comp. You, you said Harold Perkins, I think, in terms of the chess piece and a guy who can move around, rush the quarterback off the edge. I think Sunterine could do that, but I saw kind of maybe more like Isaiah Simmons versatility. Um, wasn't really in love with that. And then you tossed out Devin Lloyd, who's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think that is a, a perfect player comp for him. I, I don't know if he's going to be our, our LB1, you know, probably finishes 
at the back end, but he should be a five-star. Um, and he he's a guy that's coming on the, the radar of NFL scouts one day. Uh, scouts one day. What, what's crazy with him is he was a longtime Ole Miss commit. Alabama and Pete Golding continued to try to flip him, right? And now where's where Pete Golding? He's working for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. So maybe Pete knew all along that he was headed to Oxford. It wouldn't shock me if Sunthereen Perkins is the, the first name off the board three to four years from now. And, you know, when when we go revisit this, it, it's not like we, we didn't know it, right? But just based off the evidence that we have, this is kind of the way that we see it. Now, I do think the real conversation comes down between Anthony Hill and Raylan Wilson. And, you know, watching all three this morning, you know, I, I went back and I talked about, you know, the the, the importance of FBI, right? Football intelligence, football instincts, whatever you want to call it, especially at the running back and the linebacker position. And, you know, I think Anthony Hill exudes that. He is a football player. He is the guy that you want in the middle of your defense that can get your guys lined up playing elite level ball in the state of Texas at Denton Ryan High School. Same school as Drew Sanders. And he kind of reminds me of Drew Sanders a little bit, not as long. But in terms of the utility and how they use him off the edge, he's comfortable in the box. And like I said, uh, a three-down player, I think this is going to be a guy that is going to be a top 40 prospect when it's his time to come out. He just does so much. Raylan Wilson, you know, we are we already talked about it, but I want you to talk about him a little bit because he's in your state. But, Andrew, like there's not many guys that can do what he can do. And even watching him, I think Anthony Hill is more – Anthony Hill's a better football player right now, but three to four years from now, just the upward trajectory of a guy like Raylan Wilson. You know what's funny? I went back and I looked at the testing data. In 2021, they both went to a camp. One went on March 7th. The other went, uh, went a week later on March 14th. They both ran a 4.74. The funny part about that is, is that Anthony Hill was 226 pounds, I believe, Raylan Wilson was just over 200 pounds. So Anthony Hill can roll. I mean, you see it on tape, too. You see it at the running back position. He's got tons, tons of production. But Raylan Wilson, in terms of, of the trajectory, like he's on a rocket ship right now in terms of what he's going to be. You put him in Georgia's program, sky's the limit. Oh, and he was awesome at uh, the Under Armour All-America game all week. And he had gone through uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl practices with Georgia. They had him on the scout team mocking some Ohio state linebacker. I can't remember which one it was. And I was talking to him, Hey, you know, what, like, what was it like practicing with UGA? And, you know, did you get your, you, you get smacked in the face? And he's like, no, I, I hit someone else in the face. And I'm like, who? And he's like, I'm not going to say that. Like, that's going to get back and that's not going to go good. Uh, <laughs> but Raylan is just, he's a, he's a freak athlete and, you know, he is not in my backyard, Cooper. He's in Tallahassee, seven hour drive, but he did Coach, play. In if my- he's from the state of Florida, he is in the backyard. Okay. But put it, did- put it on the shirt. My backyard. <laughs> Hashtag my backyard. All right, go ahead. But he did play in my backyard. Uh, his school Lincoln Tallahassee came to West Palm and I saw him play, um, just took over the game. It was returning punts and w- with Raylan, you know, we list him at 213 pounds. I think he's been 213 pounds for four years. I mean, he is rocked up. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much bigger he's going to get, but we, we we always talk about with Alabama. When these kids go to Alabama, Alabama seems to get the most of the guys that are already physically maxed out. Every year they do it, right? And, and I think Georgia's starting to do the same thing. And 
you talk with some different people in Athens and they're extremely fired up about Raylan Wilson and, and the speed markers, you know, 23 miles per hour on the catapult GPS in pads in a game is, is pretty insane. I mean, we haven't seen anything like that and, and they're still trying to find a baseline for that data, but this guy can move. Uh, he can cover. I think he's probably the more, more complete Mike of this trio we're talking about uh, Anthony, you know, I, I think he's he, he's that guy, and he's he's going to play, and we're we're fired up. I mean, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches for Glenn Schumann because a few months ago we didn't even know how to stack Georgia's linebackers cl- linebacker class. They got two other guys that are we think very high level: Troy Bowles, who's Todd Bowles' son, uh, and then C.J. Allen, who has has an awesome profile. We were trying to figure out how to stack them. I think Raylan's clearly um, the alpha of that bunch, but man. You know, they are just loaded up. You watch that the, the national title game, they had like Jalen Walker in there. It's like, God damn, like it's just guy after guy after guy. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Let's get into the uh, the back third of, of the show. And the back nine. <laughs> the back nine a little bit, the last couple holes here. And, and let's get to, you know, a nice little brief rundown here. But we got the Polynesian Bowl coming up this Friday. Our friends and our colleagues out there, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, also Blair Angulo might be missing one or two. No, that's that's the crew. That's the uh, – I'm jealous. I'm jealous. That's there, how I know. <laughs> right, out there in Oahu in, in the beautiful island of Hawaii, having a couple of Mai Tais for the boys without a doubt. But the Polynesian Bowl – 9 p.m. Eastern time on Friday at NFL Network. And, Drew, we got our eyes on this game for a couple of different reasons. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of players that have stood out. But I, I want to start with one that has really made an impression on us as a whole over the last couple of weeks, and that's Spencer Fano, the offensive tackle out of Utah, who's going to stay home and play his football for Kyle Whittingham in the Utah Utes. But this is a guy that had a really, really good week. In San Antonio, it seems like he has picked up where he left off and now really uh, continuing to turn heads in Hawaii. But, you know, he played four of the five positions on the offensive line in San Antonio. I think the versatility uh, was always going to be something uh, and it has always been something that has really impressed us. The biggest question we had about Spencer Fano was just size and where where is he going to end up? And this was a guy that came in bigger than what we thought. I want to say he's in the 260 to 270 range, but he's got long arms. He's 34 plus. And this is a guy between the versatility and he's just a technician. He understands leverage. He can anchor. He's very smart. He's advanced. I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing early at Utah. He's going to have to to add some weight to that frame. But Drew, he he held up really well against some of the better pass rushers in the country at the All-American Bowl. And Brandon Huffman texted our, one of our big groups that, hey, what, what do you say? Like, we love Spencer Fano uh, after one-on-ones. I can't remember what exactly it was. Coop, I, I didn't know what I would ever be here in my life, but I kind of, like, love Utah's class. And it's ranked 21, 21 overall heading into signing day. It's the best class ever for Utah in the 24-7 sports era, which, what does that date back to, 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 to 2012? Um this group is awesome. And when Utah was making its run towards that, that Pac-12 title game, I, I kind of put it out there I, on one of the shows, maybe it was CBS HQ. I, I don't know. I said, Kyle Whittingham needs to 
capitalize on this season, and, and they did. Spencer Fano is a guy they got in, in, in early December. Uh, Mikey Matthews was a wide receiver at the Under Armour All-America game. That was a top performer for us, some guy that's going to climb in our rankings. I, I know you love C.J. Blocker, the, the corner they have committed. He's also out there at the Polynesian Bowl. But, man, this is this is a fun and exciting group, and I think it starts with, with Fano. That's a guy that visited Michigan. He visited Clemson, and – Utah got him to stay in state, and uh, I think that's a, a really, really big deal. They're one of the best developmental programs in the country. Back-to-back Rose Bowl appearances, even though they're over two over the last two seasons, you can see the benefit of these guys and the success that they've had on the field, and they've been able to carry that onto the recruiting trail. And Andrew, if Utah can recruit this way consistently – then look out. And I love some of the things that Utah has done in this process. Mikey Matthews was a guy that you got to see up close and personal in Orlando. It seemed like he had a really good week. They go down to Mississippi. They get a guy that really kind of fits what they want to do offensively. And Mac Howard out of Oxford. Can I, can I shoot in right there? And, and this is just so random, but I had a college coach, that wasn't even involved in the Mac Howard recruitment, but like the kid was on campus and they said that they think that kid has it. And I, I, just so random that they offered up that information, but I, he's a guy I have circled to see how his career kind of progresses. Cause they think in between the years, Mac Howard has, has the goods. Three star out of the state of Mississippi. That's my region. So look for him <laughs> to, uh, you know, uh, outperform all current projections that will probably happen. But another interesting one here, John Randall Jr., out of the out of the state of Kansas, a former top two four seven standout, a guy that dropped out earlier in the process. But like, I like that for them. Like, where do, where do you get your talent from, especially at the skill position for Utah? That's always going to be a challenge. I like the fact that they're 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 really just kind of efficient the way they go about their business. They kind of see where they fit in, uh, and it, it always seems to me they charge late in the process when it comes to use Utah. So Spencer Fano, Caleb Lomu, both those guys on the offensive line, huge gets for Kyle Whittingham, but a couple other guys drew that we have our eyes on in this game. Nico, I'm the early enrollee a top five prospect for us. And a guy that has generated a, a lot of conversational points, but you know, what do you take away from a, an all-star game and, you know, a couple weeks in Knoxville and, you know, I, reading the reports, it sounds like he's already put on uh, anywhere from uh, 10 to 15 pounds, which is a really positive sign. So uh, I wouldn't say a, a big opportunity for Nico Aimelieva, but it's certainly like if, if you're there as an evaluator, you're, you're pretty curious, right? Because you didn't get to see him in Orlando. You didn't get to see him in San Antonio. So what's he going to look like in, in Hawaii? From my understanding, and I've never been blessed with the opportunity to go out to the Polynesian Bowl uh, but this is the most laid back of of all the All Star games, and it's still a great event. Don't get me wrong. I I was wondering if Nico was even actually going to play, uh, and I texted Blair uh, this morning or or last night, and he said that that the word is Nico's going to play. I, I just want to see what he looks like. You mentioned the the additional weight. I'm sure uh, Tennessee's nutritional staff has been like injecting uh, calories into him to to kind of add some weight to that frame. I mean, we're not going to take too much. I think away from this game, but last year, Travis Hunter was named MVP <laughs> and he looked like the real deal. So, um, you know, I, I think you got to watch, you, you just got to see what he looks like. And he's by far the biggest quarterback playing in the game. I can't wait to see him in Knoxville. I really can't like, I, you know, we don't, 
I think because he committed so early and he's stuck and we kind of talked about, you know, like it got a little exhausted, just like Arch Manning did, right? Like we, we talked so much about these guys, but if you would have told me in the beginning, like before the year that Tennessee had this year, you know, I would have, I would have said, okay, Tennessee kind of like interesting destination. And then you go see the year that Hendon Hooker had, and you're like, there's no better place that Nico Imelieva could have ended up at than Knoxville. So I, I love that fit for him. Drew, a couple other guys that we'll, we'll have our eyes on. Francis Malagoa, OT2 for us. David Hicks, certainly a guy that you love, had a big week in Orlando. And it just seems like every time we're, we we go back to the drawing board on David Hicks, he just reels us back in, you know, with the live exposure. You're like, yeah, you know what? This guy is actually elite. Gabe Brooks in our uh, in our chat, he doesn't think he's a true IDL. And I'm like, huh, you need to see the, some updated some updated photos of him because he, he was a people mover uh, in, in Orlando there. Now, uh, interested to see him as well. I, I guess he's been doing good in one-on-ones too. Okay, last guy here, and this is off a tip from our Blair Angulo. And I, I'm going to work on this because, you know, it's been a while since I've had to uh, really pronunciate my Polynesian names back to my time at Oregon in Washington. But Tetch Kikahuna, wow, that sounded good. Receiver out of Bishop Gorman. He's had a big week. Wisconsin signee. Drew, how about the stat line for him at Bishop Gorman this past year? 61 catches. Over 1,300 receiving yards, 22 touchdowns. That was better than Zachariah Branch, who is the number one receiver in the country, going to play his football for Lincoln Riley in USC. But I, I, I turned on the film this morning. I'm like, man, this guy's really fun. Super sudden out of the slot. Knows how to create separation. He's kind of got like a short, stocky, running back type frame. Really elusive after the catch. I like this guy. I do as well, and he probably had more. He, he had better numbers than than Zachariah Branch, I think, because Zachari- Zachariah Branch was drawing a lot of those double teams in the brackets and and whatnot. But I I wanted to give the Badgers some love here. Luke Fickle, uh, we we discussed yesterday the the DB he got out of Florida, Jason Declona. Um, he's got some quarterback talent headed up to 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 Madison and Tech. I'm not even trying to pronounce that last name. Uh, this seems like another developmental guy and a nice little ad for Wisconsin, which hasn't really had a ton of exciting moments in the passing game over the years. So it seems like things are, are, have a chance to, to, to turn around there for the Badgers. We're going to work on this. You know, like if anybody listened to Oyster Boys Radio, first of all, we appreciate you. But you also know that Andrew really <laughs> struggles with pronunciations and not just Polynesian last names but also normal things as well. So, Drew, say it with me. Kikahuna. Kikahuna. Very oh. good. Kikahuna. 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 All right, good. We're, we're making progress here. All right, Drew, now it's it's time to get to the, the part of the show where, you know, you do the rundown, and I'm very thankful, and I'm very grateful that you do the rundown. But I always look through the rundown, and there's always something just like, where, where did that come from? Where did you find that out? And this one's not that wonky, but I appreciate you putting this on the rundown because people need to know. Will Muschamp, he's got a son out there, and he can sling it. His name <laughs> is Whit Muschamp. He is at Baylor High School out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. He just picked up an offer from Vandy this week, 2024 quarterback from the Nashville area. 
Also got offers from Ole Miss, Cincinnati. Drew, you put on the rundown, the kid can play. And I watched him this morning, man. Like, I like him. He needs he needs to grow uh, a little bit just in terms of the frame. He, he's hovering around 200 pounds. But in terms of what you see, like the arm, the mechanics, getting the ball out, like the the, the arm doesn't wow you, right, like from a, from a physical presence. But, like, he's kind of savvy in the pocket. He can extend plays. He's got a little. He's got a little magic to him in terms of improvising, and you can tell he's a coach's son. Sometimes <laughs> you turn on the tape and you're like, "Okay, this guy's been around football his entire life." That's kind of the feel you get with 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 uh, young Muschamp. That's exactly what I was going to say, Coop. Like you can tell this guy's has been in some 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 facilities. He's he's sat with an offensive coordinator. He has been coached up. Uh, this just came across my radar, and he was at a camp last spring wit and will and i thought at the time that will was just using his kid to to get an opportunity to scout florida defensive backs in orlando which could have been the case but um i, I briefly remember seeing wit wit play and then you put on the tape and like, like you said there's he can play uh he's got a, a thin frame but if he can add some weight um you know mechanically he he is technically sound and Vanderbilt offered, like you said, Ole Miss, Cincinnati. I, I think he's a guy that's probably going to sign with a Power Five school, uh, and no one's really talking about it. Will Muschamp's got a son out there that um, someone is going to sign, and obviously he's very connected in in the world of recruiting. And this kind of ties back into the the front end of the podcast. You know, once Jaden Davis, Dylan Rayola make their decisions, Walker White, Jake Merklinger. I know some of, some people aren't as familiar with those names. People are going to have to pivot to other quarterbacks and. Just because a guy right now doesn't have four or five stars next to his name doesn't mean he won't. I mean, there's a there's a, a ton of exposure points for us coming up. That that junior to senior season is super important in terms of of development. So we'll see where where Wit ends up. But this isn't just a guy that people are offering to offer because of the last name. Like, no, I think he can legitimately play. Whit Muschamp, name to know, 2024 quarterback. Put a grade on him this morning, Drew. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. A lot of things going on. So good to good to get that done, especially with the last <laughs> name like that. So, all right, Drew, big, big weekend for you down in South Florida in Battle Miami, which is an event I would be at, but an ill-timed engagement party for my brother-in-law is holding me back in Louisiana. Bummer for me. But – Big weekend. And, and last year, Drew, I think this was one of the events that I would say pretty fair to say, like you, you pulled a lot from this event. Guys like Nico Aimelievo were there, Zachariah Branch, Dante Moore, Will Johnson in years past. Like you leaned on this event, yeah. I think, for us. And, you know, a, a big one here this weekend. What are you, what are you most looking forward to seeing? on Saturday and Sunday in Miami. Just what what cream rises to the to the crop and this is I call it one of the biggest seven on seven tournaments of of the year and everyone, you know, has their opinions on seven on seven and that's fine but this is an opportunity for us to see uh dudes going against dudes and, and a lot of dudes that we've never seen before. You get a body type of them. There's going to be kids or excuse me teams from all around the country, LA, Detroit, Philadelphia, uh, Midwest, Chicago area. Then you got all the Florida teams, teams from Georgia, Mississippi, Texas. I mean, they're all going to be there. And honestly, it's you're like trying to drink through a fire hose. There is so much going on, so many games going on. 
I know I'm going to be boots on the ground. It's 10 minutes from my house. Steve Wiltfong, director of recruiting. He's flying in. I think he's on a flight right now. I'm texting him about it. Uh, The Fong's (laughs) on the way down there? Yeah, we're probably going to hit like a Texas roadhouse after the game, but we'll we'll be there. Make sure he's got his (laughs) suntan lotion now. Yeah, so it's it's just a, it's a good it's a good event. First first time last year seeing Nico throw in person, Dante Moore, and, and really this is going on year four or five. And in every every you know it seems like every rankings call or a kid will commit, and I'll look back and I'm like, damn, that kid was at at, at Battle Miami. So it's it's a fun event. It's a long weekend. I had to sell my Florida Panthers tickets on Saturday night because I'm just gonna be too tied up in this. So upset about that, but. Um, it, it'll be good. And, and I, my Twitter account is still locked out. I'm still locked out, but I got an email from them at 4:27 AM this morning. So maybe my Twitter will be back, but we'll have a live thread. I mean, follow Steve. We'll have top performers for it. And, and really it's kind of a, uh, chapter one of the 2024 cycle as we kind of turn the page to the, to that cycle with, with signing day, 2023, um, two weeks away. What does your fiance think about you being married to the game? <laughs> I mean, she she, she likes it. She knows it. She knows the deal. Yeah, we have we have a roof over our heads, right? <laughs> hey, I have to I have to ask uh, before we end this show. Promotion very well earned. You are now the director of scouting at twenty four seven Sports. Yeah, there was some. There was some time, there was a void there, right? Like Barton Simmons, you, you talked about him earlier in the show. Obviously, one of the more respected voices in sports media when it when it came to rankings. What, what's the last month or so been like for you since you have stepped in into this role? Has it been what you have thought it would been be? Or is anything different? Or do you like it? You just starting getting comfortable. I'm just I'm just wondering personally how you're doing in this role. And is it meeting your expectations? <laughs> it is what I thought it is, and and you and and the other guys make it make it easy um, or easier. Again, it's like you're you're still just trying to figure it all out. So it's it's been fun, um, you know. I don't, love I, that, yeah. <laughs> love, love love the feedback. Hey, every now and then we gotta we gotta get in touch with the person, not just talk football on here. You know, we gotta get a little personal side. But Drew, any final thoughts before we sign off? Like I said, big weekend in Miami. A lot, a lot of position battles going on. A lot of things uh, starting to transpire. Pick up college football never sleeps. It's always 365 days. But maybe something. How about this? I'll tee you up. Maybe something interesting that you're thinking about in the top two, four, seven as it advances on Thursday. And we want to put a bow on this thing. I mean, where where is Brandon Ennis going to finish in our our rankings? Uh, that's a question for the Prince of Florida. That's <laughs> that's all on your shoulders, right there. Uh, excited for the rankings, and we also didn't point out there's a bunch of visitor weekends going on around the country. You know, um, I think Miami's dialing one up, obviously with this big event, Oregon. Texas. So, so stay locked to the network. I know you're going to be enjoying um, some some adult beverages at the. Is it an engagement party, Coach? I am. I'm overweight right now. You know, <laughs> probably five pounds heavier than I'd like to be. So you know what? I need to abstain from that. Probably going to struggle to abstain from that. Maybe one more weekend of uh, indulging. But yeah, it, engagement party there. So we'll be ready to go. We'll be down in New Orleans. So it'll definitely be. Definitely be a good time. But, guys, I want to remind you, 
And I should say it at the beginning of the show. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Show. And make sure you subscribe. Also, leave a rating. Leave a comment as well. Any comments, constructive criticism on there. Be respectful, as always. But, guys, we appreciate you joining us. Our first full week for the Oyster Boys, Cooper Patagna, Andrew Ivins. Our producer, Lance Glenn, he's going through initiation. Not an Oyster Boy yet. Still working on it but he does a great job for us. We will be back next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, always keeping you up to date on everything recruiting. Guys, we appreciate you joining in for Cooper Tagna, Andrew Ivins, and Lance Lynn. We'll see you next time.